stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's stock strategist, Brian Hayes, to talk about an important topic as we get towards the end of this year, and one I've talked about in the past on the podcast, but I've never had kind of a another guru or like-minded person here at Zach's who uh, likes to talk about the secular bear and secular bull analysis of the stock market, but now I do. So welcome, Brian. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Um, it's a great topic, and I think listeners will uh, really get some good info out of it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I've been promoting it on Twitter, so I hope it lives up to the expectations. But let's first discuss what is a secular bull and secular bear market? Because everybody kind of knows, or at least I hope they know, bull and bear but what what are we even talking about when we say secular in front of those? What does that mean? Sure. So we can differentiate uh, between secular and cyclical. So a secular market is defined as a broad expansion in the economy, typically sees um, corporate profits rising, um, associated technological developments, and it's driven by these forces that can be in place for many years. Um, secular bull markets can last 15, 20 years or even longer. On the flip side, secular bear markets are typically flagged by declining corporate earnings in the economy, it leads to weak investor sentiment. Stocks typically experience uh, long periods of consolidation and selling pressure over an extended period of time. And then on the cyclical end, um, cyclical periods can be thought of as counter trend moves. So up and down um, within the longer term secular trends, cyclical markets are shorter in duration and depth, um, and they're often confined to a narrower segment of the economy. Um, and they can include both recessions and expansions. Um, so again, shorter in duration for cyclical markets. Um, and we, you know, we can see uh, within those secular or cyclical markets, we can see things like recessions, things like uh, earnings declines. Um, so, you know, as part of our discussion today, we're going to delve into the idea of whether or not last year's bear market was a cyclical bear market within a long-term secular trend or whether we've reversed now into a secular bear. Um, but we saw last year, even though we didn't officially get the recession um, association, we did have those two back-to-back -back declines in GDP. We did see earnings declines um, as well. So. That's really you know the, the major difference between the secular and cyclical um, markets. Yeah, that's a good analysis. Um, and for people, you know, just wondering how it affects them. Well, it's the difference between 1982 to 2000s market, which was a secular bull market that averaged you know 20 percent on the S and P 500 over those 18 years, versus 2000 to 2012, 
which was terrible. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've been investing long enough to remember all the headlines in 2010 where they were, you know, oh, if you invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 in 2000, it's now still worth $10,000 in 2010. That, that kind of headline is a sign of a secular bear, as you just described, a market that really doesn't go anywhere, even though it did hit new highs in 2007. But that's also kind of a sign um, when it hits it and it doesn't break out and breaks down instead of out again, that you are in one of these, you know, what I deem as terrible <laughs> secular bears, uh, because I do have the memories of the last one we were just in. Um, but we were in the bull, uh, although interestingly, I did have a debate with a lot of people in the 2015-2016 time period when we had the manufacturing recession. We did have somewhat of a contraction in the economy, but not a full-fledged recession that possibly we were still in the secular bear. Even years into that one, there were still some people who thought like, you know, we did have stocks start to break down a bit. We didn't get as many new all-time highs during that time period. And some people were still thinking that we could still be in the bear. That's how long it kind of takes to know whether or not you're in one or the other, I feel. Um, also, in the prior bears, or at least the 1970s one, we uh, hit new all-time highs twice in that period and then finally broke out the third time. And so a lot of people just assumed in the 2000 bear market, we would have to do the same. So we hit new all-time highs in 2007 and everyone was waiting for the next all-time high, which was 2013. But then they thought it would break down again like it did in the 70s and we'd need to wait longer before we had the ultimate breakout. I think that's where even myself, I was like, well, maybe this is a fake out rally in 2014, 2015. But no, it turns out that wasn't a fake out. We were in a new secular bull. And one good way I feel that you can tell, even if you're not looking at the actual charts, is by looking at new all-time highs on the S&P 500. So we brought uh, on the video portion of the podcast a nice little chart that we put together that lists out from 1929 the all-time highs of the year. And we put, um, you know, the, the new highs are in green on the chart. And then you'll see where we don't hit one. Obviously, it has a zero there. Um, but... This kind of tells you pretty clearly where you see secular bulls and secular bears because in the bull, obviously, you're hitting new all-time highs continuously or relatively continuously. So you can see new all-time highs. There were 45 in 1929. That was the end of the last bullish period there. And then you didn't get any. <laughs> that's that's what's amazing when you look at this actual chart. So from 1930 to 1953, there's just zeros. So if you're just listening to this, you're not missing anything because it's just zeros all along the, the board there. That was the longest bear market we've had in the last hundred years. Um, but then you see the change over in 1954. So we had 27 new highs 
1955, 49 new highs, 1956, 14. So suddenly, you know, stock investors had to be, you know, taking notice if there were any left in the game at that point. Uh, but 1957, you had a big zero there. So I'm sure there was some panic that, hey, maybe this the, the bad times aren't over because we suddenly have zero. But they returned again in 58, 59. Um, there were a few more zeros in there. We did have, uh, you know, a bull market going on there through the mid uh, into the late 1960s. And you can see new all-time highs from 1963 to 1968 on the chart. And then that's right around the time when Warren Buffett said, like, I can't find anything to invest in. It's gone crazy. And I'm just, I'm giving back all the money to the, my investors because there isn't anything out there. Um, this is the era when we had the nifty 50, the growth stocks where everybody was buying them at all costs. They don't care if they were trading at 50 times because there was growth everywhere. But then we had zero new highs in 1969. 1970, 1971, big sell-off in the stock market. And then we had a little bit of a reprieve in 1972, 73, some new highs then, but then we had zero, 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 zeros going up until 1980. Once again, as that was a secular bear market, um, the big inflation, obviously, but the death of equities in there. Nobody wanted to buy stocks. If you could get, uh, you know, 10% or more on a CD, you didn't need to buy stocks. So that was the rough decade. But you can see while looking at the chart, those a few green years in there, like 72, 73, uh, obviously would have made some people doubt whether or not that was a bear, even after the big sell-off in those prior years. So that's my dilemma with where we are right now. We had the big sell-off last year. Um, we only had one new all-time high. If you look on that chart, 2022, we had one new high in the S&P 500. Uh, maybe, you know, most of us remember what it was. It was very, you know, January 3rd, like the, the very first or second trading day of the year. Apple hit those new all-time highs. It's a big component. It pushed up the market that one day. And then we had everything else sold off for the rest of last year. So no other highs and then 2023 so far, even with the rally this year on the S&P 500, we've come close, like four or 5% away from the highs, but we haven't gotten there yet. And now we have the zero. So I know some of us, myself included, are thinking, is this like, uh, you know, are we still in this bull that started in like around 2013? And this is just a slight reprieve because even in the big 80s and 90s bull market, we had some zeros in there. I'm looking at the chart. We had a zero in 1984. There were no new highs in 1984. And we had a zero in 1988. No new highs in 1988 either. And it kept going. Um, we still, you know, had the dot-com boom and we had a good end of that next decade. So what are you thinking, Brian? Like when you look at a chart like this and you think about where we are right now, do you have a take on what you're thinking is about a bull or a bear right now? Yeah. And, and great analysis, by the way, on this. Um, and that was one of the things I wanted to point out was 
that even after, for example, the secular breakout in 1982, we had those years uh, like 84 and 88 with zero new highs. Similarly, um, if you go back to the breakout around 1950, we had zero new highs in 1957, 1960, and 1962. So, you know, after such a long period, like I look at uh, starting in 1989 all the way to 2000, that was 11, 12 years or so where we had new highs every single year. And we've just gone through a very similar stretch. Can it keep going? We got that. We have that, uh, the one new high you mentioned last year. Now we're, you know, almost three quarters of the way or so through this year, we have zero new highs. This makes me think that the longer we go without making new highs, especially if we go throughout this entire year, and into next year, and we get another zero, I think that will start the trend. Because when you when you get two new zeros in a row, uh, you know, this chart tends to make us believe that bad things are coming, right? Um, where, where do we see really two, two zeros in a row where we were in a secular bowl? Um, if it's there, it's, it's, it's very infrequent. So, um, yeah, because even the early 1960s, we see 1960s, it was zero, but it rebounded in 61 with 53 new all-time highs. And then it had another zero in 62, but then it rebounded again with 12, and then it went numerous years with new all-time highs. So we didn't actually see anything like back-to-back. -back. It, it does tend in bull markets to rebound pretty swiftly and then keep that momentum. Absolutely. And then, yeah. And it does the opposite in the bears, unfortunately, um, where it doesn't, doesn't do that. It, it tries to rebound, but the rebound always tends to break down. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think one of the reasons why this is such a great topic is because coming off of last year's bear market. And whenever we hit these transitional periods, it's, it's always unclear at first, right? Things are always more clear in hindsight, but because we're in this era with uh, where we have conflicting evidence, we have limited historical examples in terms of um, the, the type of environment that we're in. Um, it, it's, it's a very, sound question to ask. And I, you know, I don't think that there are, um, there's enough evidence one way or the other to completely say where we've resumed the secular bull or we have begun a secular bear. Although I, I, I have to say I'm leaning one more, one way more than the other. Okay. Which, which way are you leaning? So I, you know, I, I think as we take all of the evidence into account, um, I'm leaning the direction that we have resumed the secular bullish trend, uh, that broke out in 2013. Um, so, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that the major indices haven't hit a new high in 2023. Um, but we are seeing some positive trends. So earnings estimates, which Zach's is, is well known for, um, have stabilized with a host of sectors like technology and consumer discretionary now witnessing positive revisions. Um, so I think the rally this year in, in a lot of sectors, not just technology, 
has been supported by fundamentals. Um, another big theme, and I know you've touched on this in the past, Tracy, is demographics. Um, so, you know, when we go back to that, that 1982 secular breakout, that's when the baby boomers were really moving into their peak spending and earning years. And after that, really good things happened in the stock market, right? Um, and millennials now are at a similar juncture um, as a group. They've entered their prime earning and spending years. Um, and then another related topic is, you know, as the baby boomers were beginning to leave their sweet spot of earning and spending years in the year 2000, that's when the oldest baby boomers began to retire. Um, defensive bonds, you know, really came to the forefront. And they, when, when you look at the ratio between stocks and bonds, bonds really took over, you know, in that um, bearish period for equities in 2000. Um, and it's logical, right? As, as baby boomers began to retire, their uh, need for fixed income securities in their portfolio increases. Um, but when we look at that ratio today, what's happening? Stocks are surging relative to bonds, even though bonds are, you know, giving us a, a pretty solid return, right? Um, from a nominal perspective anyway. Um, but again, the ratio is broken out uh, in favor of stocks. That's another data point that I think suggests that we are resuming the secular bullish trend. The risk to reward profile, in my opinion, of the market has substantially improved uh, relative to last year. Consumer discretionary versus staples has broken out. So last year we saw staples really outperform during the bear market. Uh, discretionary has really broken out relative to staples this year, which speaks to increasing confidence about the economy and corporate earnings. Um, so those are a couple of the things that I think point to a higher likelihood that we have resumed the secular bullish trend. Yeah, that's some good insight there. And I definitely think there's a lot of uh, things you could look at to say we are still in the bull. So I don't disagree with that at all. Um, another thing I think we can look at is some of the stock charts. So I, I put Apple up on the screen and, uh, you know, this is the earnings misses and surprises, but you can see pretty clearly the direction of the stock here. And it didn't fall as much as a lot of the other tech stocks did in 2022, obviously, but um, usually in when you transfer from the secular bull to the secular bear, you have some kind of blow off top like a dot com boom and then it goes into the bust. But usually the stocks that lead in the end of that bull market are not the stocks that lead um, when you go into the bear. And we saw that in the dot-com bust, the tech titans like Microsoft, or even the new dot-coms like Amazon that were big winners in the late 90s. They sold off and then they stayed losers for a decade or more. Microsoft took 13 years to get back to its 2000 high. So um, I've been looking at who are the leaders for this last uh, boom period of, uh, you know, the bull. And they were the Fangs or the Fang Man, or now we're calling them the Ma Magnificent Seven. And Apple is one of those leaders. And it's, 
is broken out and is up big here in 2023 once again. So this chart doesn't look like it's, you know, uh, entering into a bear at, at least not yet. Um, and if you look at some of the other on the Magnificent Seven, let's take a look at Alphabet, for instance, see what that one is doing. Um, but I feel like, yeah, this one is kind of similar to what Apple is looking like. It did sell off big last year, but it's seeing the big rebound. And this would be normal, what you would see in the times of a secular bull, even with a sell-off, say like 1987 sell-off, the stocks still managed to come back and come back fairly quickly. But my only problem with saying, yay, all these are signs of the secular bull is that if you strip out the Magnificent Seven, a lot of the other tech stocks that were the big winners at uh, the last couple of years, for instance, are, are not looking so healthy as these ones are. So one of those I've been watching because everyone was kind of in this one is Shopify, and I'm bringing that one up. And it's had a big rally this year um, off of last year's lows. But looking at the longer uh, chart, this doesn't look so great. Now, we don't know what it's going to do over the next year or two. Um, but will this take 10 years to get back to the 2021 highs? That would be normal in a secular bear type of a market that these winners would take forever to, or maybe never get back to those highs. Another one I'm watching and then I'm going to bring up is PayPal. Um, and you're not missing anything if you're just kind of listening to this because we've all seen what these charts look like. So PayPal down, um, it's actually round tripped off of its 2021 highs here. And I see year to date, it's still down, down 13%. But over the last five years now, it's actually down 32%. So that is definitely a sign of whatever trend it was booming in, in 2020, 2021. The street is definitely rejecting now, but how long or will it ever get back to those 2021 highs? I mean, it would take a, just a tremendous rally, and it's certainly not doing it here in 2023 at all. Um, like I said, it's it's down pretty considerably over the last two years. It's down 77.6%. That this is some of the declines we saw in the dot com bust. With uh, you know, the Nasdaq even down over eighty percent, I think it was, or maybe it was seventy six percent or something <laughs> in in three years time period. And now we've we've seen this over the span of a year, maybe two years, but not all tech is uh, responding like this PayPal chart, which is pretty severe. But again, these are just a few that I've pulled out. You could make the same argument. Um, on the opposite side, like Brian was making, and I made about Apple and Alphabet, those charts looking very bullish and that they've returned somewhat to their, um, you know, kind of booming uh, type of uh, momentum. Another one I wanted to take a look at real quick was Tesla because uh, no stock really 
represented the last decade as much as Tesla. It was down on its luck for many, many years. The believers stayed in there. Then it soared. And you can see it sold off last year, but it has regained at least half of those, uh, you know, losses there. But uh, in a secular bear, this type of stock it may take many more years before it reaches those 2021 highs. It may just go back and forth in a narrow trading range and people don't really notice who bought it a couple of years prior because they have big gains. They're just like, oh, I, I still have big gains. But it's really the more recent uh, people who bought in who see it going nowhere. And that is more typical of a secular bear. But as we've been saying, it's still a little too early to know. Like we're, I keep telling people on Twitter, you know, ask me at the end of the year, then we'll see if the S&P 500 is still has the zero for new highs. Then it's a little more indication of possibly, you know, we might be in the secular bear, but as Brian mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, it does take several years before it becomes like obvious what we're in and we're not really there yet. But um, Brian, what what kind of advice do you have for people? Uh, obviously, you should really be a long-term investor and so you're going to ride out the ups and the downs. But if we are in a secular bull still, as you uh, seem to think we may be, what where should people be investing? Should they be investing in these stocks that have made the recovery, like the Magnificent Seven? Should they be looking at like some other um, group of stocks? Because I know in the 1980s, when we had the sell-off um, and around the recession around 1990, there were a group of stocks like the drug stocks that took kind of control or, you know, in, in addition to tech and dot-com, which came a little bit later, but the drug stocks really had a big decade in the 1990s. So there was rotation into those after a little bit of bump in the road there in the late 1980s in that bull market. Should we be looking for a new industry outside of tech to lead the second leg up on this bull if we're still in it? Yeah, so assuming we are still in it, um, I, I think there's a couple points to note here. So just really quickly going back to the individual stocks that you laid out, um, you know, a, a stock like Shopify, for example, I'm just taking a quick look here. And from around 2016 to the peak in, in 2021, it soared about 4,000%. Um, and then peak to trough last year dropped over 80% of its value. So it's going to have just inherently a much more difficult time getting back to those highs, even though it's risen, you know, over a hundred percent off the lows here, then let's say an Apple or Google that, um, that, you know, still lost substantial value last year, but doesn't have as much room to make up. Um, now, in terms of what we should be targeting if the secular bowl remains intact, I, of course, I, I do think that some magnificent ex, uh, seven exposure is warranted. 
Um, NVIDIA seems to be one of the leaders this year, although it's pulled back. Um, and I think it has some short-term downside ahead. But going back, when we look at history, we see that no two decades really show back-to-back themes of outperformance. So you mentioned um, Japanese stocks, uh, you know, several decades ago. Um, in, in the early 2000, or in the 2000s, we had emerging markets really outperform. The 2010s was big tech. What's going to really be the theme in the 2020s? And, you know, we've had mixed evidence so far, I would say. Um, but with the onset of artificial intelligence, I really do think that tech will still be at the forefront. It just might not be big tech. And, and sure, uh, big tech will have plenty of exposure to AI and some companies are dominating the space right now, like NVIDIA. Um, we talked about how uh, Alphabet was uh, even doing really well into September as the market has pulled back. But I think what it's going to be are the companies that we haven't really heard of yet that are flying under the radar um, and they're really just starting to come um, into play. Uh, You know, when you go back and you look at Apple in the 90s and, and Amazon in the late 90s, these companies really evolved over time. You know, Amazon started as an online bookstore um, and that's what I think when we look back, you know, 10, 20 years from now, I think the companies that are small companies at the current time, they're relatively unknown um, and they're going to be hard to discover until they really begin making waves and we really see them popping up on our lists of earnings estimate revisions and uh, relative outperformance. Um, those are the things to really look for to try to uncover these stocks uh, so I think, you know, those, those relatively unknown artificial intelligence companies are going to dominate the 2020s. Okay. Um, I definitely think, you know, AI could be a driver to keep us out of a secular bear, perhaps, because it did take a number of years. Let's see. It was at least almost a decade before we had the next great thing in in tech or anything really um, after the dot com bust, so there was still some innovation in there. There was still, you know, uh, Amazon made the Kindle. Um, then we got the phone in two thousand seven, and that was kind of the turning point. Then we got social media, and with Facebook coming into being at the end of that decade, really. And so then that was the next thing that uh, you know drove into the the bull, but it took a, a couple of years. But this AI thing is real and there's real earnings and revenue behind it already. And so, yeah, it's possible that um, this kind of uh, momentum could be, you know, enough to keep the rest of the market out of some kind of secular bearish type scenario. I put up the chart of NVIDIA for those watching on the video, um, just to kind of show again, this is the earnings surprise and um, just earnings surprise chart. But you can see they had those two misses in 2022. Things were, it had sold off, 
But then we had the big turnaround with uh, everybody ordering the chips for the AI. And now the stock has soared to all-time highs here. But I also think this chart is interesting from a secular bear and bull analysis as well, because uh, you normally, you know, NVIDIA was still a winner of the last decade as well. Even with last year's sell-off, it's been one of the best performing stocks of the last 20 years, really. And now to see it hitting these new highs again um, is a very secular bullish indicator, I think. But um, I also think it's kind of actually a good thing that the stock is kind of paused here, even after the the big earnings beats and you know the revenue revisions much much higher than anybody was thinking, and there is some doubt out there about Nvidia able to sustain this level. So that's a that's a good thing. So the you know the market's not too overly bullish here. It is being cautious even on these big winner stocks. And that could be helpful going forward too. Um, but if you're in a bear, I I have lightened up on some of the magnificent seven stocks. I I agree with Brian that I think you should still be owners of them, but I've cut back on my position size because in a bear, those are not the ones that are going to lead. Uh, but what will? We, we don't know yet for sure. In the 2000 uh, uh, bear, we, there were bulls within that bear, but it was in housing because remember the housing bubble started during that decade and kind of raged. So the home builder stocks did well. Home Depot did really well in the 2000s. Um, and then you had energy. We were in another energy bull at the time of the stock market bear and the energy stocks really soared. I've talked about that many times on the podcast from 1998 to 2008. Some of the energy producers were up over a thousand percent in that decade while, you know, Amazon is was struggling just to get back to break even. So I still like the energy trade here again, and uh, all value stocks, really, the value stocks outperformed in that decade, and they they tend to do so in the bear markets as the growth stocks basically take a timeout. So, um, you know, what what can we say? Except nobody knows. <laughs> we don't really know what's going to be happening um, until it, it's too late to some extent, but. That's why I am hedging my bets. I'm still in the growth stocks. I still own some of those, but I also have been adding to the value stock areas, which um, it includes the energy stocks, but also uh, big pharma, I think, the drug stocks. Those have been down on their luck for a number of years. And some of those have been breaking out now, um, especially like Eli Lilly is one example. And that has a new trend too, um, that it might give a boost or is going to give a boost to a lot of those companies with the weight loss drugs now. But where, where else do you think, Brian, people should be if we are in the secular bear? Yeah. You mentioned energy. Um, and you know, I think, uh, this recent, rise in the price of oil breaking out above 90 now has caught some people by surprise. 
I, I remember uh, when we had that big energy surge, you mentioned 98 to 2008, some companies were up over a thousand percent. I, I can recall very clearly, um, I was interning uh, at, a, at an investment bank on Wall Street and everyone was going nuts because oil was, I think it was around 150 a barrel or so. Um, and companies were just going through the roof. Um, but yeah, if we're, you know, if the secular, uh, secular bear is, is the case here, I, I do really like energy. Um, I think the price of oil is going to play a, a very significant role. Um, I really like Baker Hughes here. They've been, uh, the stock has been outperforming this year. They're showing um, some really good growth metrics with year-over-year uh, -year earnings growth at 73% um, on revenues of $25.47 which is a 20% increase relative to last year, which is not really the case with a lot of energy companies this year. Energy earnings have, have been a drag for the most part. Um, so... You know, there are some outliers in the energy sector uh, that, that have been doing really well uh, with Baker Hughes being one of them. And I, if, if the secular bear is coming to fruition, I do like energy here. Okay. Yeah, me too. And Baker Hughes is on the service sector side. It's not a, a producer, so it helps the companies, you know, with drilling and all of that. And I own it in the insider trader portfolio. Some insiders bought bought it a while ago, actually. And it's just, it's kind of been a wild ride, but up and down, but now is on the upside. I put up a chart here of its earnings surprise track record. It, it does have a terrible earnings surprise track record, all those red arrows. But I always tell the people in the insider because we, we still owned it and we've owned it through several of these earnings reports now that they may miss, but that it the underlying fundamentals are still good. And uh, those earnings are on the rise, as you have said, because a lot of the um, energy producers worldwide are, you know, having to hire people like Baker Hughes to help them uh, drill more. So the earnings are looking pretty good. This one is, you know, trying to test its 2022 highs here, um, which was the Ukraine oil or the Ukraine war, which spiked oil. So everything rose at the start of 2022, but we're trying to get back there. So yeah, um, I definitely like the service side. I own Halliburton in the value investor and uh, that chart has also had its ups and downs as well, but that stock has been somewhat on the move higher now too as well. So yeah, you don't have to go just with the producers on energy, you can go on the service side and both of those stocks are among some of the, the bigger names. Um, the other one is uh, SLB, formerly known as Schlumberger. A lot of people like that one. Um, let me just pull up the chart on Schlumberger because it had a huge sell-off in the um, bear energy market, but you can see it here. This is also the earnings surprise chart. It's all green for Schlumberger or SLB as they now want to be called. But look at that rally over the last uh, four years. It's trying to get back to 2018 highs. It's very close, 
but it has had its ups and downs. There's been some big sell-offs in there, especially last year after the Ukraine war spike, it came back down big, but it's, you know, managed if you stuck with it to get back up there and the stock is still cheap because those earnings are on the rise. So uh, Slumberger is another one that I like a lot. Um, but yeah, there's some good ideas out there. There always is a bull market somewhere, even in a secular bear, but you're going to have to be a stock picker if we're in a secular bear because the major indexes usually tend to go a little bit more sideways as we saw in the 2000s. And uh, you will have some new all-time highs as we saw in 2007, but it won't you know, the indexes usually don't hold it. They fall back. Um, but dollar cost averaging is also your friend in those decades. And any Gen X or even uh, some baby boomer investors know that from the years 2000 to 2013, that if they stuck with it, they built a pretty big position even in the indexes during that kind of uh, not so great decade. And then they were very well positioned for when the bull came back. And if we're still in the bull, we'll all still be very well positioned, whether or not you're in uh, you know, individual stocks or in the indexes because the bulls lift all boats for the most part. So uh, this was good. This was a good discussion, Brian. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah. And we're going to have to revisit it probably by next year. We're, we're going to have a better idea and we may not have an episode on, are we in this or that? We probably, I feel, will kind of know by next year, but might not be until like next summer. So so we'll revisit. We'll come back and check this out again. But uh, the stocks that were mentioned on this episode, we mentioned pretty many. So Shopify, ticker SHOP, PayPal, back down there, you know, round tripping, PYPL. We mentioned Alphabet, G-O-O-G-L. We mentioned Apple, AAPL, Tesla, of course, is TSLA, NVIDIA, NVDA. And then we mentioned a couple of those energy service guys at the end. Halliburton is HAL, Slumberger, now SLB, is just SLB, and Baker Hughes is BKR. And as always, you want to be sure to subscribe uh, somewhere to get these podcasts. And you can now also get them on our YouTube channel. Get them on zax.com slash YouTube if you want to see the charts or whatever else we're showing on the video version of it. Or you can just listen in. You can get us on Apple. We are on um, Amazon Music. We're on Spotify. We're on anywhere you can get the podcast. We're even on SoundCloud still. So be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identify and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.